Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Wow, what a week we've had, eh? Amazing. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, there were some photos I saw on a news article that uh, showed New South Wales at one stage, and it looked like the whole of New South Wales was on fire. It was just ridiculous. And uh, there was another uh, TV camera that was going down Madawi Road, I think, and uh, and they're all familiar buildings, and and I could see where where you know, I knew where where they were. But all along the side of the road was fire and the trees and the grass. And then in the distance, in the back, there was just this huge line of orange, just fire in the background. And I just think, my goodness, how scary would it be to be in that? And, and aren't our um, bushfire brigades just amazing people? Like, seriously, they are. And, and I don't know if we've got any in here this morning that are part of our church. I'm not really sure. But uh, uh, it, it's, it's stunning to me the lengths they go to to protect uh, people and, and our possessions and houses and things like that. They put their life, life on the risk on a regular basis and, uh, and, and we th- should be really thankful for that. Um, you know, we will take up an offering at the end of this service just to, uh, uh, to bless those people that are doing it tough, you know, in all parts of the state. And, and uh, if you want to hold your donation to give them to the car wash, that's okay as well. But... Uh, you know, for those that don't want to get their car washed, I think it's important we do that. Um, last night we had Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Who was involved in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner last night? Put up your hands. Yeah, that's fantastic. Great. That's great. Um, you know, I think Robin sent out the text messages to people to say who was coming to their place and that sort of thing. We got one text back saying, you know, it was the numbers were there and said, yeah, but who's coming? And we go, that's the point. Guess who's coming to dinner? And, uh, uh, and, and I think, you know, I think it's a great thing. And I know the place we are at, people didn't know each other and they got to know each other in the process of the night and got to know each other's names. And now they'll know each other in church. Because I forget, like, because we've just been here since day one, um, I forget that some of you don't know each other. Uh, you know, and, and it's, it's difficult. If someone sits up there and the other person sits down here, you're probably not going to bump into each other that much, you know. It's, I mean, it's not a huge building, but, but yeah, you can just do that. And, and those sorts of things, breaking bread together is, is a great thing to do, you know, where we get together around a meal and just get to know each other. And, uh, and it's a fantastic opportunity just to get to know some more people well in the church so you can say day on a Sunday and, and say, how are you going? Um, well, this week we're into um, the last message in this series. And I know it's been a little bit segregated, it's been all over the place, had visiting guys in and all sorts of things, but uh, I really just wanted to push through with this and, and finish this series on influence. And uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, you can open up to Matthew 28, put your finger in Matthew 10, because that's where we'll go back to in the process. Uh, just want to give you a quick recap, um, just to remind you if you're just visiting us here today, just to see what we've been through in this series. And our goal in this series has really been to redefine the way we understand what influence is, that there's an influence that the world talks about, and it's not particularly positive, I don't think, and uh, uh, and particularly how we, as disciples of Jesus, can influence our community and our world. And um, we looked at some of the things that Jesus 
has done throughout the, the Gospels and emphasized this to his disciples and to us in the process of that. It's been really important. Our, our key scripture is Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. I won't read them again because you've heard them a fair few times in this series. But the main points are, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And you see, to me, that's the foundation we've based this, this series on influence this morning. You know, we, we, well, this, this series throughout these last month or two and, uh, and that we have got influence um, in fact, I'd actually like to hear from you. What, what, and I know this is a little unusual, but uh, if you see people wandering out everywhere, they're getting ready for the car wash after service, and there's, I think, the in your faces on as well for the year seven and eight kids. What, what do you think influence is about? Has anyone got, like, what's something that's really challenged you or changed your thinking or really... You, you, don't under, you sort of didn't think of influence that way before. Is anyone who's game enough to say, yeah, look, I've got something, Greg. What about you? Yeah, Sarah? Hello. G'day. Um, <laughs> well, from the... G'day? G'day. Okay. Um, from the bushfires, uh, I was talking to a lady, one of my mates, his mum, and she lives, um, you probably know, Browns Road. That's where Rock was aimed at the fire, and she lives just across from it. But twice now, last fire she had, well, she's got a massive acres of property, but her house is on, like, a bit of a hill, so it's sand everywhere, and there's, like, a rock, and her house is kind of, like, on the rock kind of thing. Anyway, so then all the land around it is covered with fire and, like, it's bush now. So I've been here a few times with giving her food and stuff. But twice now she's been blessed and she knows that she's been blessed. And I think that's eye-opening that she doesn't come to church or anything like that, but she knows that she's been blessed. And there's heaps of stories like that. And that just kind of opens your eyes like they're still, still like they're blessed even though they've lost things and stuff like that. So Thanks, Sarah. That's great. Anyone else came to have a go? Because here's the thing. We know the scripture says we're the head and not the tail, but so often we feel like the tail. I don't know about you, but so often I feel like I'm not leading this thing. I feel like I'm just trying to survive. And, and we actually have got influence, particularly when we follow the, the, the principles and the guidelines and the, the, the scriptures and in the gospels. And uh, has anyone else got any insight that you, you, you feel like you could share? Yeah. I know I don't do this sort of thing very much, but I'd just like to, to get some feedback. Um, based on something that was preached at state conference, Tom's in my face, you need to go the other, your own in your face, Tom. Um, yeah, are we being refreshment or healing? And I think, you know, you, you can boil influence down to one of those two things. We all need one of those, one of those two things in our lives at any one time. Uh, refreshment or healing? That's very good. Yeah, that was that was very significant. That we do operate in that in our lives, and we we should be doing both those things, but we, we usually do one or the other. Okay, let's have a look at some of the points we've we've covered us in this. I want to give you a, the first week we covered. You are a person of influence. You can make a difference. We choose how we use our influence, positively or negatively. Uh, true positive influence is never inactive, never reactive, but always proactive. And, and the main point that we came to, real positive influence is about being a true disciple and, and devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, we looked at lots of, different, like, lots of different situations with Jesus and the disciples. You know, when Jesus went fishing and uh, he said, we should be fishers of men, um, 
disciple washing, uh, sorry, Jesus washing disciples' feet and, and how we're meant to serve. Uh, when uh, Jesus encouraged um, that, that whole process of uh, breaking bread with his disciples and said that we should do likewise and we should do life together as, as disciples of Jesus. And, and I know this has been, a, a for me anyway, it's been a really powerful series. It's redefined the way we think about influence, discipleship, and Christianity. Um, and, and this week we're looking at another characteristic of influence and, and, and what Jesus said and did with his disciples. And we'll finish this. But this one, um, I think, has even got even a greater significance because it's the last thing Jesus said before he left this earth, before he ascended into heaven. And if there's anything that's going to be important, is it's the last, last thing someone says. If they know they, they're going to die, they're leaving a place, the last thing they want to say is something that wants to leave an imprint on people. And, and Jesus, you know, is talking to his disciples. And, um, and to summarize that, that whole Jesus heart and philosophy, I came up with this, uh, this heading, this statement, and, and a disciple of Jesus goes out. That's basically what will summarize what this message is about today. A disciple of Jesus leaves where they are spiritually, emotionally, physically sometimes, and moves forward towards where God is calling them to be and, uh, and do what God is asking us to do. And that's where our real influence is as disciples of Christ. Each one of us has got a unique calling. Together, when we come together as the body of Christ, it brings great power and great strength and great unity and great, there's great diversity in that unity. And I love that, you know. But when we come together with a common goal and, and work together, it is amazing what we can pull off. Individually, we can't do that much, you know. But, but together as a church, it's amazing the influence we can have in our community and our world. And, uh, and, and this morning we're going to look at the Great Commission, Matthew 28. And uh, so if you've got your Bibles ready, let's have a look at that scripture. Matthew 28, I'll read from verse 16 through to verse 20, but the main verse we're looking at is, is verse 19. When the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I find that so interesting, that some doubted. Because I'm sure there's people in here that doubt, got doubts in their Christian walk. Here's Jesus, just be, before he's about to ascend into heaven, He's giving them probably the most important thing he's ever said. And there's disciples that doubt. They go, wow. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know, that verse 19 is, is the, the core of what we're going to talk about this morning. You know, because they are so important. See, Jesus says, therefore, go. And that, that go, the Greek word is poiomehi, apparently. And it, it's a Greek word that says, that means travel, depart, go, take a journey. You see, self in our lives, we seem to get stuck. And Jesus is saying, go, get unstuck. Come on, get loose. Let, let, let's see what's ahead. Go and make what? It says make disciples, followers, learners, pupils, uh, students of Christ. Make disciples in all the nations. Go and make more disciples. That's what he's saying here. A disciple of Jesus goes out. And, and here's the truth. Often it's the opposite of the way 
We, the modern, westernized church, does church, including ours. It's the way we think about church. You know, mostly we say, let's do whatever we can to get people to come in here. And that's right, isn't it? I think you'd agree. Um, Let's build a nice building in a good location. Let's put a sign up out the front. Uh, Let's do events that will draw people in. And, and, And there's nothing wrong with that. They're all good. But I'm telling you, if we only do that, it's out of balance. There's something wrong. There's perhaps a bigger challenge, a bigger picture that we need to consider. And it's not just to get people to come in here. It's actually for us as disciples to go out into our community and our world, to make a difference in those places, to be a part of our world around us. And the challenge is to get us, I don't know, courageous enough. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but to, to, to really for us to get it over ourselves, I think, to actually get out in our community and world. Because we are the church. The people is the church. The building's not the church. The property's not the church. You are the church. And for us, it means getting out of our comfort zone to go out into our world, to wherever we're called to, whatever that unique calling is for each one of us. A disciple goes out. And, and this morning, I particularly want to talk about missions. And, and I know straight away, as I say that word mission, some people switch on and some people switch off. I, I just know that's what your historical or your experience has been. Um, but please, hang in there with me, okay? Just, just don't do that today. Just hang in there. A disciple of Jesus goes out. We're going to look at Matthew 10. And I want to show you a little bit of what's going on with Jesus and his disciples. You know, in, in verse 1, Jesus actually gave the disciples authority. And it's the same prayer I pray over our musos and our singers just about every week. You have authority in Christ. You are worship leaders. You, are a praise, you, you, you lead us into praise and worship. You're leading the church into battle. There's something that you can break through through praise and worship we can't sometimes. And, and we need to be led in that place. Jesus actually gave his disciples authority. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Then the Bible names the 12 disciples. And in, in verse 5, what the Bible says is this. These 12 Jesus did what? He sent out. He sent out. Now that word again is a Greek word, um, apostello, and it means to set apart, to set apart, to literally send out on a mission. And uh, these 12 were sent out. You see, a disciple goes out. He's sent. He goes. And, And we need to understand that that's for each and every one of us. In the previous weeks, we've talked about the different heart of, of between those words between Christian and disciple. And, and Christians are disciples and disciples are Christian, but somehow we've got this understanding, this difference between understanding what a Christian is and what a disciple is. And from my personal point of view, I think of it this way. A Christian will go on a mission trip if they're pressed. Um, they might think about it. They might pray about it. And, and to be truthful, that's, that's not that true because I find most Christians don't go on mission trips. Um, they don't. It's too inconvenient. I've got too much on, too busy, too much on a schedule, uh, too expensive. Uh, any of those excuses, yeah, I, I could pray about it or think about it. But a Christian might go on a Christian uh, mission trip is, is the way I think about it. When I think of a disciple instead, I don't think of someone who's going on a trip as much as I think of someone who is a missionary, 
who lives a missionary lifestyle. And that means they are prepared to go out, that they are sent, that they understand what their calling and their purpose is in their life. And, and, and a disciple might go on a mission trip, for sure, that, that's part of the deal. But there's much more, not what he does, it's actually a reflection of who he is. The inner makings of a disciple is to go out into our community, into our world, into our nation, into wherever God calls us to. And you see, a disciple sees his or her role to reach their neighbors, you know, and, and, and it's so important that we don't dismiss that and go overseas. We've got neighbors living right next door to us that have high needs, that are lonely, that, are, that have got issues in their life that, that, that they don't know Jesus, and, and there's an opportunity. You know, there's, there's a disciple wants to reach our region, our town, our city, our, our in Port Stevens, you know, and, and with God's love and meet needs and, and all that. And that's why we're doing the car wash, you know. It, it's about meeting the needs of our community. It's, it's recognizing that there is needs and that we want to do something about that. A, a disciple might make a trip overseas to a third world country or a city as a reflection who we are. Missionaries are called into those situations, empowered by Jesus to take his message into the world. And because we understand that as disciples, it's not about us. He's calling us to go out into all the world. All of us. Every single one of us. And and see, that, that Greek word, apostello, sent ones. It's, it's from the word, it's where we get the word apostle, you know, and that basically means you are sent, you know, and, and there's an apostolic thing. When we plant a church like this, there's an apostolic thing you have to do. You know, it's, it's you have to go out. You are sent by a church but you have to go out and and establish that. And so I've got some really simple thoughts here this morning uh, to finish off this series. And, and the first one's this. A sent one, first of all, makes the message simple. Sim- it's a simple message. Our gospel is so simple. We so often overcomplicate it. A sent one makes the message of Jesus very simple and understandable. In Matthew 10, verse 7, Jesus says, As you do, what? Go. As you go, that's a Greek word again, go. As you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. You see, Jesus is the fulfillment of the kingdom of heaven. He's, he's, he's talking to his disciples. So he's basically saying, preach about me. And I know that sounds pretty arrogant, but, but you know, he's saying, preach about me. As you go, as Paul said, I preach Christ and him crucified. That's our message. That's our message. Here's the thing. It doesn't have to be complicated. Because it's not about better morals. It's not about a feel-good, positive thinking message. It's not even about social justice. Yeah, they're all part of the deal, what comes, but but it's not about those things. And and it's a very simple message. And here's the gospel in, in a few sentences. As sinful people, we are separated from a holy God. God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to this earth. On, on the first heavenly mission trip. In, he gave himself for us. He, cruci- he got crucified and died for us so that we should live. That's the message we need to take to our world. It's simple and yet it's so scary sometimes to, to, to do that, you know, to, to say those words. We can be made right in him. It's not religion. It's not works. It's not by, fa- it, it, it's not by our faith. It's a faith in our God. It's by his grace. It's a very simple message. 
And it's a message of influence. See, we don't realize how influential this message is. To go into all the world proactively and even, the scripture says forcefully. Matthew 11 uh, verse 12 says this, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. You see, we actually have to be proactive in this. We actually have to take a stance and go, you know what? I am going to go. I'm going to go to my neighbor. I'm going to say good day. What's your needs? What can I help you out with? Show Christ's love in that. And at some stage, I might even get a chance to, to share the gospel. You know, for most people, it's, it's horrific to think about um, getting ourselves uncomfortable and, and talking about the gospel with someone in a conversation. What if someone asks me this question? What about if I don't know the answer? What if I, I don't know enough to, 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 to tell them about this gospel? Well, it's not that complicated. As Jesus was talking to his disciples, calling them to go out, they were also a little concerned about this. Probably not Peter, because Peter, he was always ready to talk, and he always had some, an answer for something somewhere. And, uh, but what would happen if we didn't know what to say? And, and, and what if we ended up in prison, had to try to defend that message? And Jesus in, in, in uh, verse 19 and 20 says this, Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. Now, this is really powerful, so listen here. At that time, you'll be given what to say. See, at that moment, at that particular point, God will give you the words to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking right through you. It's one of the most amazing promises in Scripture. You see, when we go, when God calls us to go, he will give you the words to say as you are called out and you're sent out into that, that place. And as I said, it could be a neighbor. It could be uh, a need in our community. It could be a bushfire. It could be, it could be something else. It could be a mission trip. It could be any of those things. But when, call, when God calls us to go as disciples of Jesus... He'll give us the words to say every time. And I love when that happens. I love it. You know, when you're talking to someone, you don't really know that they've got a problem or they've got an issue and you don't really know what to say. And then all of a sudden, a scripture pops into your head and you go, where did that come from? That's exactly what they need to hear. You know, and, and it's like when, when you, often I'm in situations, I haven't got a clue how to respond to people. And you just go, pause. God, give me your wisdom. Give me the words to say. And then somehow, somewhere, it's like these words just go, pop, and you go, scripture or, or advice, that wisdom, and way beyond my natural wisdom, that, that's for sure. You know, even after preaching sometimes, people will come and say, oh, you know, what you said was fantastic, and, and that changed my life, or I just did what I had to do because of that. And I go, sometimes I go, I don't think I actually said that. But anyway, if that's what you heard, that's the Holy Spirit. It's either Holy Spirit-inspired words that I didn't realize I was saying, or as Holy, Holy Spirit-inspired listening, that, that God's interceded those words and, and changed them in the process. We have to keep the message simple. When we go, he'll give you the words to say. And, and here's the deal. We've just got to keep turning back to Jesus. Keep turning back to Jesus. Keep him at the center. Keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't try and meet every need that you ever stumble across. I said that to a lady I was talking to about the bushfire situation on, on uh, Friday. And, uh, and she was overwhelmed with the needs that were being put before her. And I just basically said, look, if, you have a, if you're a believer, you, you believe there's a God. She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, look, here's the thing. 
God will call you specifically to that need. He won't call you to all those needs. See, it's not doing the good thing. It's doing the God thing. And church, we have to recognize what the God thing for each one of us is because the, the need is overwhelming. There's so much need around every single one of us uh, in our nation, overseas. So it's not trying to do every good thing that comes across our path. It's actually doing the God thing and going into that, being obedient and faithful in those things that God has called us to. Keep the message simple. Let me go on to the second point. So the first one was just keep it simple. Second thing is to do this. Um, make compassion central. The sent ones made compassion central. And, uh, uh, you know, because let's be honest, the, the, the church has had a bit of a bad reputation over the years because evangelicals, if you know that word, um, They'll go in and they'll preach the gospel and it's almost like they ignore the needs around them. I remember being in the Philippines one time and this American team came through. And, okay, got to be careful here. I felt like there was a fair bit of arrogance in there, there because they actually didn't care about the people at all. They were flying they were in a bus. They top stopped in, preached the gospel, jumped on their bus and kept going. And I thought, you know what? I don't think that's that effective. And it was my first mission trip. And it was my first exposure to uh, evangelicals, uh, it, people that were very evangelistic, but, only, but it seemed lopsided to me. And so as we've been establishing our missions, uh, I we started with this, this philosophy of word and deed. So we need to have the word, the gospel. That's what we present. Keep it simple. But then there's got to be the deed. We need to have compassion on people as we are entering into this area of helping people. And, and it's not just about presenting the gospel. There's got to be a balance in that. And, um, you know, in fact, uh, Paul tells us, you know, without love we're just a resounding gog and a, a clanging cymbal. And uh, there needs to be both those things, the gospel and identifying needs and meeting needs. And I remember in in one other trip that went to the Philippines, and and this was probably one of the most touching times on the mission field because we we, we take a youth team over there and do a youth conference uh, every two years. And uh, it's a great thing. Hundreds of kids are getting saved, fantastic responses. It It was amazing. It's just an amazing time. And, uh, and it, it, uh, I was either at the end of it or in the middle of it somewhere. I was just walking through the village, and, and someone knew that I was with a pastor, and, and they called us into their little, very small little humpy. And, uh, uh, you know, we walked into this little place, and, uh, and this lady was laying on a bed. There was only really one room, and there was a bed right in the middle of it. And um, I said, oh, so what, what's wrong with her with the person I was with was an interpreter, and they said, oh, she's got breast cancer. I said, oh, okay. And she'd like you to pray for her. And I said, oh, okay. So tell me what's going on. And, and the interpreter said, well, she got diagnosed with breast cancer, but she couldn't afford treatment to have an operation. So she's, it's past the point of that now. So, okay. 
She's, she, was, she looked horrible, like she was in so much pain. She was just laying on the bed, just weeping. And um, I looked closer and I realized there was two Bibles open on her pillow, on each side of her head. And she couldn't read because she was so weak. She had these Bibles beside her head. And uh, I said, and, and here's the thing, uh, they're so poor that they actually can't even afford to buy painkillers to deaden the pain. And I tell you, so I pray for this lady. I pray with everything I had, every ounce of resolution, every ounce of anointing, every ounce of, of authority in Christ to say, God, you can do anything. And I pray for your healing upon this woman. At the same time, I committed in my mind, in my spirit, to pay for whatever pain relief she needed to make a difference for her life. And uh, so I gave the money straight away. I said, anytime you need more money, just, just send me a, a message and I'll send you more money and to pay for that. So that went on for about nine months and then I didn't get any more messages. Um, at the same time, um, Claire, my daughter, actually uh, sponsored her little girl so she could go and, and stay in the children's home near the orphanage. And, uh, and that's an ongoing thing that she's doing. You see, we have a very powerful message, the gospel, to present to people. But I'm telling you, it's not done with compassion. It's a clanging cymbal. It's a resounding gong. It's just noise. It's just noise. And the gospel has got so much more power than that in it when we bring it with compassion, the compassion of Jesus. You see, the scripture tells us Jesus had compassion on the crowds. He had compassion on the people when he saw them. He had a compassionate heart for them. He wept for his friends. He had the answers to the world's problems, and yet he had compassion on those people. And that same verse goes on, and it goes on to say, you know, there's there's not very, very many workers. The workers are few. The harvest is plenty. He challenges us with that. He had compassion on those people, and yet why? Why isn't there? Why weren't people stirred to that? Why? You see, in verse eight of, of Matthew ten. Jesus told his disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Another portion of the scripture, he says, I'll reward those who clothe the naked, feed the hungry, visit people in visit, those who offer water in my name. I will reward. As disciples of Jesus, we should be the most compassionate, caring, generous people on this planet. And yet why is it so often that's not the case? Why is that? I'm not sure what the answer is, but I know for myself. Hmm. I know for myself, I can sometimes ignore those needs around me. I can get so focused on my own life, on my own circumstance, my own situation, uh, busyness, whatever that is. I remember a missions lecturer at Bible College saying this to me on a regular basis to the class, not just to me but I took it on board as a personal challenge. As a disciple of Christ, we are compelled to go. But if we can't go, then at least we should pay for someone else to go. And and, and I, that's always been my philosophy in life. You know, I've tried to do a mission trip every year. I've just tried to do a, that personal cost to, to go and, and, and reach someone beyond myself. 
you know, we have that philosophy in this church, you know, to reach and positively influence our community and world by building a significant church that loves God, loves people, and loves life. You know, I, I truly do believe that every every um, person, every disciple, every Christian needs to go on a, a mission trip at some sta- stage, a short-term mission trip. You know, we're starting to develop some stuff up at Bogabilla with the an Aboriginal church up there, and there's some great opportunities there to, to get involved. So it's not a high cost. Um, you know, we're, we're moving towards uh, having this trip to the Philippines next year with the, the youth conference. And, and so, you know, the, the fruit is amazing. We see hundreds of salvations. We, get, we see hundreds of kids' lives changed. That, that they, they, they come in not knowing very much of God, about God, but after that week, they go away changed. They, they just they make a declaration for Jesus in their lives. And, and it, it brings fruit to the youth ministry, to the churches they're involved in. And I remember last year, we, we had an anointing service where we anointed every single young person in the whole place. And, and think about this. This is like five or 600 kids. And, uh, and it's amazing. I think I've got some photos of this. Just down the next screen, I think I'll put some. So that's... They put up this great big old tarp, and if it, if it blows, the wind blows, you can't hear a thing. And, uh, uh, and and there's just, I don't know if you can see fully there, but there's just kids and people everywhere there. And, and uh, there's a night service, and again, you can't, can't really see it, but there's people a long way back through there. And uh, it's a wonderful opportunity. We do lots of preaching and teaching and, and groups, and uh, uh, there's lot, lots of opportunities to, to get involved in, in lots of different things. Um, th- here's the thing, we, we, where we do the conference, there's actually a, a children's home, an orphanage right there. So there's 30 or 40 kids there. There's blind widows in this place. It's like biblical times. It, it is, it's crazy. It, it's, it's next door to a hospital. <laughs> next door to this hospital. And, um, and this one time I really felt, because the, the senior pastor's wife is a, has got a, a senior role in the hospital. I said, look, would do you think it'd be all right if we took our team into the hospital and just prayed for people? I would never ask to do that here. I'd, I'd never even think of doing that here. But but over there, I thought, maybe. And I uh, said, yeah, yeah, no worries at all. That, I can organize that. So we went in one night with the team. I, I think the, most of the team came. And uh, we prayed for just about everyone in their sick beds throughout the hospital. And it was a, a wonderful privilege. And this one particular lady, I remember, she was very, very, very ill. And uh, um, I, I think it might have been terminal. And and we prayed for her, for healing. And I asked the interpreter, uh, through the interpreter, I asked if she'd like to accept Jesus into her life. And, and and she said, yes, I would. And so we prayed for that. And then the husband was there. And he was so touched by it that he also asked if he could be, to make that same decision to be prayed for as well. And, you know, I just think that's a wonderful, wonderful privilege. You know, it is, it's just such a great opportunity to, to to share the gospel but to show compassion. You know, the, the thing we do is we feed those kids. And uh, so we take up, we do fundraisers and take up an offering to, to feed those kids because the reason we do it is one of the poorest regions in the Philippines. I mean, get this, the Philippines is probably one of the poorest nations in the world. And we do this conference in one of the poorest Areas in the Philippines that like they earn nothing. It's ridiculous. So we 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 pay for the food for the kids to come along, and, and I think we only paid. I think we gave them fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars last time to feed five or six hundred kids for a week. 
it's it's ridiculous what you the, the value for money you get over there, and um, and this year we're also talking about to a missionary uh, who's planting churches over there on the other coast of the island we go to, and uh, their, their regions of like thirty or forty thousand people, and they planned a church there and they need support. So try and develop a little bit more that we can do while we're there this year. And I guess I'm saying all that to say this. If God's stirring your heart about missions and you think it's an opportunity that you'd like to step up to next year's next April, um, starts at Easter and it'll be for two weeks, so it's basically the two weeks of the school holidays, um, I'd really like to encourage you. Now, obviously we need some musical talent in that to be able to pull off the conference, uh, so, so we need to make sure we've got the bases covered. But there's much, much more to it than just the conference. The youth conference is what we go to do, and the reason that we go every two years, but there's mo- so much more ministry that could happen as a consequence. There's so many more needs that we can meet as we go. So uh, uh, so I guess what I'm saying to you is if you are interested in that, we're going to do an information meeting pretty soon. And in fact, I even bought a clipboard today with a list on it. Just next to you, Robin. So if you wanted to hand that around, if anyone wants to put their name down, I'll send you out an email when we're doing the information session. And I'll give it a few weeks to build up some uh, um, some momentum and then we'll do an information meeting about that. Okay, so the, the third point I want to make this morning is sort of a sub-point of, of that second point. What's your holy discontent? And it's a term that's been coined by Bill Hybels, who's a pastor in the States. What is your holy discontent? There's something that, um, that, that, that you are passionate about, that stirs you, that that, that's maybe part of your dream that makes you cry. When you think about or consider that, it just stirs something in your emotions, in your in your in your spirit. You just know there's something that that's stirred when you think about and, and consider that. What is that for you? What is that? Because I want you to prayerfully consider and identify what that is. What is your whole area of holy discontent? It'll be connected to your compassion. So I want to dream just a little bit with you this morning, just to finish off this message. Imagine if we were really to follow what Jesus tells us to do. Imagine the impact we can make as a church, as disciples of Christ, if each one of us actually got off our backsides, actually got off our backsides and decided to go. To, to do what God has called us to do. Imagine the difference we can make. Imagine if we allowed ourselves to be sent out to what God's calling us to in the areas of our compassion, in that area that we're passionate about, that holy discontent. You see, it's not, it's not me telling you what to do, because I won't. I refuse to. But I will challenge you, what is your area of holy discontent? What are you compassionate about? What, what, what's the thing in you that gets stirred? What is that thing? Let's... Let the Holy Spirit breathe on that and let's start to develop what that might look like. And I'll send you. If you want to go, I'll send you, man. I I can tell you. But it's got to come out of you. I won't. I refuse to identify. I refuse to send you if you're not prepared to do some, some work in that process. Imagine just for a second the difference we could make as a church. Imagine the influence we could have for Jesus on our neighbors on our region, on our nation, and to the world. You know, I love that Sarah wanted to do this car wash today. You know, that shows she's got great compassion for 
the region she lives in and she wants to support those people. Imagine if we lived beyond our circumstances. Imagine if we went beyond the urgent in our lives. Imagine if we went beyond our own personal needs for once to go and make disciples in all the nations, to really tap into the power that the Holy Spirit has given us. You know, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You know, Jerusalem is our hometown where we live, the place that we're positioned. You know, Judea is our region. Samaria is the place we don't normally go to and to the ends of the earth. As part of the church to fulfill our mission statement, to reach and positively influence our community and world by building a significant church that loves God, loves people, loves life. And it's not about a large church. It's a significant church that has influence in our community, that's known for our compassion, that will preach the gospel, that's unashamed about that. It's having that compassion of Jesus in our hearts. Disciples go into all the world. Disciples go. You see, in all those things we've talked about this morning, they're all connected. Going, being sent, compassion, holy discontent, where God is positioned. You see, there's no, there's no coincidence you are here in this church. There's no coincidence you are here this morning hearing this message. There are no coincidences in God. I'm telling you, God has got a plan and a purpose for you. Personally, just got to get with the program sometimes. What's your area of holy discontent? You know, I know about you, but sometimes I can agonize over things. I, I can expend my mental energy on things that aren't very important. <laughs> I had a great example, but I, we're running out late, a bit, bit late now. But... Uh, there's so many things that I get so focused on that really don't matter. They're serious. They just don't matter. And it allows us to focus on the wrong things instead of things that Jesus would want us to focus on. So a disciple keeps it simple. A disciple has compassion. You identify your area of holy discontent. And then you go. You do what God's calling you to do. What is that for you? You know, this morning, um, I want to finish this scripture, Matthew 10, 8. Freely received. Our response is, freely give. Freely give. And uh, if the service team want to grab the buckets, I just want to take up an offering for um, the fire victims. And uh, there's a... Video, I think we did it last year, and, and so it's, it's probably not quite up to date just at the moment, but it's a video we did for missions. I just want to play that video. If, uh, if that's okay as we take up this offering. Now, here's the thing before I just play that. There's some other stuff we're doing, Bogabilla, that we're starting to develop with. We will do some stuff in Turkey um, in 2015, and we're just working out with Steve Blake what that'll look like. Uh, we need to tick off this the Philippines trip next year, of course. But never lose focus on our local missions. There's so many great things. You know, my wife, if you talk to my wife about her area of holy discontent, she probably wouldn't describe it to you in this way, but she loves our community. She loves marriages and parents and, and, and young parents and young families. And, and if you talked about mainly mu- music, 
you'll see the passion come out in her. If you talk about needs in our community, you'll see the passion come out. And so often I'm going, why are you doing that? Why are you going out of your way for this person? Why, why are you paying for that? What, what, what's in Because I'm not quite wired the same as her. But I'm so blessed to have a great wife that is concerned for our community. She'll go out of her way. She'll sow her time and energy and resources into those people because she has a holy discontent. We have to go beyond ourselves. And, and the main of team's wonderful. They've all got that same heart, I think. Yeah, it's great to see. So, so as we take up this offering, let's have a look at this video just to finish off this morning. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.